At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. This episode is all about luxurious estate and hotel photography. I talked to Brent Madison, who is very experienced in this genre and has a lot of valuable tips to share with aspiring photographers. We talk about his journey, what it's like taking photos for corporations, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey Brent, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Please introduce yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Brent Madison. I am a photographer, uh, Canadian. Uh, I was born in Hong Kong and raised in the Philippines. And I've never lived in Canada, so I'm a kind of a bad Canadian. Um, <laughs> I uh, have been doing professional photography for about 20 years now. And uh, I am currently living in the state of Hawaii on the Big Island. And I have a business named Madison Images and you can see it at www.madisonimages.com. Very exciting. I'm a big fan of your work. And my colleague and friend Kevin LJ recommended your work to me as he recommended many of the guests on this podcast. So we will have an incredible and very interesting conversation for the listeners. Yeah, big shout out to Kevin. My Yeah, shout out to Kevin. Dear, always dear, recommending great people. Dear old friend. So what camera equipment do you use? Um, right now, well... A variety. Uh, I had been using Mamiya uh, medium format stuff. And then for kind of journalism and that kind of thing, I was using Nikon uh, SLRs and stuff. Right now, I am all totally digital Nikon. And uh, I've gotten rid of any other kind of format. Uh, it's easier just because you have the glass, you have, you know, the same operating platform and stuff like that. And uh, it's been good, you know, to be honest, I've never owned the highest end camera, at least in the, in the digital world. Back in the, in the film days, I probably did. But uh, I currently am using an older D750. 
which mm -hmm. uh, some people may be surprised about if you know the Nikon line. But it uh, gives me and at a price that I can continue to re replace them when they break. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually pretty encouraging, I think. And I've noticed a lot of the guests on this podcast, including myself, we use very simple cameras to create beautiful photographs and it's just it's just how it works i mean it's the life of a photographer and i think it's very uplifting for anyone who's especially a beginner who's just starting out who's listening to this and they feel like they you know they need to buy the latest equipment but they can't it's always good to know that there are professionals out there who you know can make the most of what they have and they don't need to you know break the bank to do that oh yeah absolutely don't be fooled by uh, marketing on the other hand, you know, you may need the connection because other things like your computer may change and then there's no more old firewire interface or there may not be, you know, the kind of cable and that way the industry forces you to upgrade. But I just finished a, a hotel shoot last month for Marriott and I used my D700, which I probably bought, I don't know, 10 years ago. And it has been through every bad situation you can imagine and it's still going strong. So uh, and a lot of my lenses are, are older lenses, but, you know, because of, I do make my living, uh, meant, you know, as soon as I start seeing kind of a downgrade, I will replace stuff just because I have to, mm -hmm. but absolutely you don't need, you know, the newest, greatest thing yeah, with that, absolutely. with that, I will put a caveat in that, you know, I just stepped into the whole 3d industry and really you do have to have the latest and greatest uh, for 3D virtual tours. Uh, otherwise, not only is it you know longer and harder to get through that kind of work, but a lot of these cameras are made for the software or the software supports the cameras. Mm -hmm. And and so I am finding a, a, a difference in that. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, I'm not very familiar with 3D cameras, so it's interesting that your genre asks for that and asks you to be consistent with that. Would you want to talk a little bit about that? I think a lot of people are probably not familiar with it either. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, basically for the last 10 years, I've really been making my living shooting hotels. And I I shoot hotels. I have shot hotels all over the world in everywhere from Africa to uh, mostly the Asian continent and uh, subcontinent, uh, India, Indonesia, you know, you name it. I've, I've shot a hotel there. And as I've been going through this industry and things are changing, as we were discussing a little earlier, just that public relations and marketing is changing and that people are looking for the newer experiences, the newest look of this and that. And so I'm seeing that people are asking for different media, not just traditional still photography. Uh, I mean, I think you're even on your iPhone, you can see see when you shoot a picture, you have that live option. And that's what almost people just by default use. And it gives a little bit of animation. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the same thing with 3d, you know, here on the big island of Hawaii, it's mostly there aren't a lot of hotels that need photography out here. It's not like Asia where they're building them hand over fist. Here, it's mostly real estate and it's a lot of luxury real estate, but the market is so hot that people don't even come over to buy a house. They want to see it through, you know, an iPhone walkthrough or now in this mm -hmm. case, they want that 3d, um, virtual tour. And, uh, 
it's only been, um, I guess I'm late in the game, but uh, only in the last few weeks did we get a system and, uh, you know, we're pushing through trying to learn this thing as fast as possible. And that's just so that we can be up to date and that I, we've lost a lot of work because people say, oh, we need this house shot. That your pictures look great, but can you do a, a virtual walkthrough or a mm-hmm. virtual tour? And we say, no, you know, we, we can outsource that for you or whatever. They call somebody else right away. Mm-hmm. So, And it's the same thing with Throne. About a year ago, I got my FAA 107 license, which here in the States is required for shooting commercially. And that helped me to stay relevant because not only can you shoot, you know, what would take two people to do, you know, you can do it on your own. And I think that's the trend is that companies have less and less budget and they are looking for more and more work. And at the same time, if you can't provide that, there is always someone who can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely tough. And it's just, the demanding aspect of your industry. And it's very interesting because not every industry has that, but with mm. things like you know, hotel photography, especially if it's luxury, of course, it makes sense for you to need to have all of that equipment so you can give your clients the best experience possible. That's really mm. interesting to know. Yeah. I, and I would also say that what's, what's also been a change has been back in the day of, of film, that lighting and flash photography were very important it was impossible to get that inside outside look. And it was still kind of, if you look back, you know, pictures of the eighties and Mm nineties, it looks very, you know, rudimentary compared to nowadays seamless blend. A lot of real estate needs that inside outside look. And so what a lot of people will do, they just shoot it on ambient, they shoot a nine or seven stop bracket. And then they just say, fix it in Photoshop. Well, we still shoot things with flash traditionally, and that lowers the amount of stops you need to use. And it also gives the interior of something a, a more realistic daylight balanced exposure and color balance that you can't get when you are using a kind of a polluted light source from just an ambient picture. Because, for example, if you're looking out the window, you know, all of this shrubbery that may be outside or a green grass or Maybe there's a billboard or something. All that's casting color. And what a flash will do is not only just kind of kill those, those harsh shadows that are coming in from outside, but they can, it can also just realign what should be what the eye sees as natural daylight. And so we, we still shoot it to digital, but I still use flash. And, and that's some of the equipment I think that uh, almost – very, very few of the other photographers that I see now coming into the scene are using. I think it's something that that people should still consider as as uh, as a good tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good tip, actually. I've never really thought of doing that myself. I feel like a lot of people do rely on Photoshop, but yours, your technique seems to be much more time efficient and less stressful. So thank you for well, sharing that. It's more stressful, actually. <laughs> Is it? Because, yeah, because, you know, you flash creates, sh- uh, so we shoot both. So I'll shoot an ambient set and then I'll shoot a flash set and then we get a, uh, you know, reflection in the window or something. Well, if you need to use that interior, that has to be touched out. So you have to then process two sets of pictures. And then, of course, then mm-hmm. the ambient exterior is blended over those. So it's it's a blessing and a curse. Like everything, there's an exchange. So 
mm-hmm. my brother used to be in um, in the marketing world, and he used to say, for every ten percent increase in quality, there's a ninety percent increase in cost. And mm-hmm. in a way, that also applies to the photography because instead of whizzing through an apartment, just going click, 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 and then walking out the door and saying, hey, we'll send you the pictures tomorrow, it takes us probably five times longer in the setup mm-hmm. and because we're dealing with lights and other equipment and, and that kind of stuff. But it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. It's worth it. Your photos definitely have that high quality, high end feel. So I feel, in my opinion, that it's completely worth it. Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> So Architectural Digest featured some of your images in 2016. One of my favorite photos of yours is in that article, and it's a gorgeous detailed shot of a bathroom. The lighting and composition are absolutely perfect. What is your process for taking photos of luxurious hotel resorts like? Oh, that's a great question. You know, and that's one of the beauties of shooting hotels is that, especially if it's not the cookie cutter standard Motel 6, which I don't shoot, (laughs) but so long as it's not that kind of standardized old hotel room, there are a lot of very creative and cool places. So when you walk into a room, and especially if you're given some liberty, which often you are with with these, with some of the the, uh, hotels where they don't have a unified across the board strategy for marketing, where every room, for example, Four Seasons, it's all of the, all the, the uh, properties are shot with the same standards. So you have to put all of the props and all of the, the lighting has to be the same, you know, lit from the side has to be this and that. Whereas most of the hotels, they're not in a giant chain. A lot of these, they may have two or three, they may have associations, but some of them, they may be looking for a younger crowd. So they're looking for a different look. So it depends on what kind of freedoms you're given, but you can walk into a room and let's say in that bathroom, for example, the materials themselves are are really something that stand out. They're, they're really the, you have a view, then you have this the tub, and you have all these different things. And so, basically, what we do is we'll set up lighting. We'll get an ex- and basically, uh, typically, if there's a dark spot, for example, from behind or something, I'll set up a light for there so that we can open up shadows, and then we'll we'll shoot where we're looking for mirrors and stuff like that, and obviously trying to avoid having reflections. And, uh, and then basically how I do it is I want to add, uh, I'll shoot about F16. I used to shoot a lot higher, but now I'm, I'm finding F16 is just about fine. And because of digital cameras, in the old days, I was using 1,000 watt-second flashes, which is a lot of power. Now I just use battery-driven uh, lithium that I buy from B&H, uh, they're mm-hmm. large mobile flashes. So imagine like, you know, the flash you put on top of your camera. It's just mm-hmm. like that, except for a little bit bigger. And they're driven with a, with a lithium battery. And those are 200 watt second. And then I just put the ISO up. And so I can get a lot more flash power without really losing quality because you're not losing. Now there's no noise. I <laughs> know on, on CCDs up to, you know, about a thousand ISO. Basically, I'll try to pop the light and, and I'll shoot that maybe let's say if your ambient exposure is like let's say one eighth of a second at f16 that's going to make a daylight shot well i'll mm-hmm. under flash that a little bit and basically i'm not trying to add flash to dominate the scene at all i'm just using it to as i said before just to open those shadows 
and um, try to add in some highlight features. For example, uh, like the side of a faucet or um, mm-hmm. the edge of a tub, that'll catch that reflection. And that'll give you a little bit of more definition than just a flat ambient lit scene will. And basically, so then I'll shoot that and then we bracket. And then I'll, in the old days, I would just shoot. And I say old days, meaning, you know, when I had, and I had uh, assistants helping me run around and stuff. <laughs> now I only have one. Um, but with that, I would flash all of the flashes and I would do a, a flash bracket, meaning that I would use flash power and I would go up a stop, down a stop, up two stops, down two stops like that per all the flashes. And now what I do is I leave the flash as is and then I, I bracket that ambient light up and down. I already know where I want that flash at. And then I just kind of, try to just tag it as I go through from F11, F16, F22, F27, depending on what lens you're using. Mm -hmm. And basically just try to edge that out and with a little bit of adjustments. And I'm looking for, for basically when you're shooting a hotel room, a room like that, basically um, there are a couple of things that people want to see. One is they want to see the room that they're going to pay for. Two is what the hotel wants to do is book that room and they also want to book you staying there and eating there and doing all the things you're going to spend the money there. But they also, it's, uh, I often try to go for a, you could be here experience as well. This could be you in the tub. And, and that's something that we can discuss a little later. How do you transition between that commercial um, hotel photography and how does that transition into something that's more lifestyle with that edge with that commercial edge i hope that answers that (laughs) yeah yeah no it's a great answer i really like that it's very detailed and i think it gave listeners a pretty pretty clear idea i mean it gave me a pretty clear idea of what luxurious hotel photography is like i mean as you said it's not like any it's not like you go to a simple hotel and just take pictures it's a very complicated fascinating process that a lot of people a lot more people in my opinion should know about because it's i think he could inspire them in their own genres well you you know for example the that that room that you're talking about that bathroom that's really rustic and it's obviously built to look super rustic but if you go to a city hotel that's all glass and all blues and neon lights that are coming out and and red you know kind of fuchsias that don't replicate well onto a ccd and, you know, all of these kind of things, you know, suddenly you go, gosh, this is nothing like last time. So everything, depending on what you do and where you go, and it would apply to real estate in a way as well, that you really just have to adapt to what you see at the moment. And just like anything, it's experience that will help you feel more confident as you do it. You know, it's mm-hmm. you had said, how does someone get into high-end photography? or high-end luxury um, hotel photography even, mm-hmm. well, the best way is to try as much as you can of every genre. And if you have an eye for that and you feel that you can start to give your clients what they want, and and I would say with any business, doesn't matter what kind of photography it is, but would be don't go for the Marriott's at the beginning. Go for mom-and-pop Airbnb and shoot that and there's a lot less pressure and usually you know mom and pop airbnb will if you get it wrong will be happy on a day off for you to come back and do it again 
Mm-hmm. And, and you can experiment with equipment and you can, without all the pressures of walking into, you know, a mid-sized hotel or even a small hotel. And, you know, this is their business. And when they pay you, they want to see what they think it's worth. So you've got to kind of find that line, what, how you can provide a service to them that is worth what they think they're paying for. Yeah, that's very good advice. You really have to start small because if you start with... If you start by messaging these high-end clients that you want to have without any experience, then you might end up feeling discouraged. Or even if you do get a job on the off chance, then you'll end up feeling super intimidated and inexperienced. So I like your mm-hmm. advice about starting with, you know, mom and pop Airbnb and just getting confidence from there. I had a panic attack the first hotel that I remember doing first where I had to get on a plane and I got off the plane and I got into the hotel and this was still in the days of film. And literally at night, I had a panic attack. I just went into oh. my room. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? <laughs> and uh, I hate to seem hardened now, but I you know can walk into a hotel and go, yeah, we'll see what we can do with this, <laughs> with this multi-million dollar structure. <laughs> um, let's see, you know, but yeah, I mean, feeling scared helps drive you to be a better photographer and a better you know, helps you do better if that's where you want to. As long as you don't turn and run, you uh, will become a better person. <laughs> yeah, just don't turn and run. Just yes. you know, face your fears. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did, and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. On your website, you mentioned that you had a mentor when you lived in Thailand who had a significant impact on your photography. You learned a lot about lighting and styling from him. What is the most valuable thing that you learned under his mentorship? Uh, you know, his name was uh, Luca Invernizzi Tatoni, and he was an Italian photographer based in Singapore, and uh, he's since uh, passed away. His real specialty uh, was hotels, styling, you know, very, very high-end homes and photographing and styling them, and uh, spas. And when he uh, hired me, uh, I had just been with this group called Free Burma Rangers, and I had been in the jungles of Burma photographing the displaced people. Uh, Many of the ethnic groups there are basically being chased alive, (laughs) chased down, and murdered by the Burma army, which takes their land and forces slavery to make them build the roads and this and that. And I was actually uh, approached by the leader of this Free Burma Rangers group 
to do photography. And at the time I was really, I had no work. I had just literally been praying, Oh God, please give me you know, the experience to go in and do, you know, kind of photojournalism and mm -hmm. doing it with them was a very meaningful experience. But by doing it with them several times and going in on different trips to photograph, you know, kind of what was happening inside Burma, I realized that my talents would be better used. I was a better thoughtful sitting there photographer than I was a running and gunning kind of chase, mm -hmm. chase down the trail photographer. So I, when I met Luca Titoni was at an airport, uh, I was introduced to him by Joe Cummings, the Lonely Planet writer. And mm -hmm. he basically said, uh, yeah, sure, you'll do kind of thing. He was very, very uh, gruff. Anyone who knew Luca knew that he was extremely smart and extremely brilliant, but it could be a real, uh, real character, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And um, basically, I worked with him and for him on a couple of books that he and Joe Cummings were writing. They were basically uh, shooting a big series for the Anantara hotel chain, which I ended up doing a lot of hotels for. And also, they were working on a, a book um, for Mandarin Oriental. And so I got to work with him, and he was not a teaching type. He would just say, carry that over there, set that up to here. And I would say, you know, for example, uh, you know, why would you set the flash at, uh, you know, at half power? Well, it's because it's always at half power. You know, <laughs> duh. Everybody should know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, when he, when he talked about lenses, it was, uh, give me the big one. And I'd say, uh, this one, big one? No, the other big one. This big one? No, the other big one. Okay, this one, <laughs> yes, bring it over. So, And so we would shoot like that. And, and again, this was still in the days of, this was just the very last days of digital. Digital is already coming out. We were shooting on, on medium format, uh, 645 size film. So basically, uh, when I kind of finally had arrived, uh, quote unquote arrived, as after some years and... I, we were shooting a Mandarin Oriental, a new bar and the PR people were with us and everything. And we walked into the bar and Luca just turned around and he walked straight out. And the PR manager said, Luca, what's, what's wrong? He said, this is the ugliest bar I've ever seen in my whole life. I'm not shooting it. <laughs> and she said, excuse me. And he said, I'm not shooting it. He sat outside, lit a cigarette and sat down and he just said to me, he said, you shoot it. So I went in, you know, gulp. Uh, and, uh, he had just gotten, he had just gotten the Canon 5D. And so we set up, I set up the lights, I set up all the stuff and I got the angle and, you know, I did the whole shoot and I walked back and I hit it and I walked back out and showed him the thing and he said, that's fine. And right then and there, I thought I've arrived. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so, so it wasn't too many years after a few years after that, that he, uh, that he died, and many of his clients uh, were looking for someone who knew the property or who would shoot in the same or similar style. Mm -hmm. And I had learned a lot, a lot about the finesse of placement of items and the balance, almost in a Japanese sense, of weight, of the impact of an image where you would put something to off-balance another item or to tie items together. And he was so knowledgeable about just about everything that, you know, if we walked in, he would say, uh, oh dear, there's a, uh, 
there's a lisu woven cloth here uh, on this uh, Hmong desk uh, styled, uh, you know, fabric desk or something. Uh, this two would never go together. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's find another uh, piece of uh, indigenous, you know, uh, Indochina, you know, this or that. I mean, it was like that all the time. And that was just something from he had he had done 120 coffee table books uh, mm. and had just a tremendous range of knowledge. And um, and so I'm not anywhere close to that at all. <laughs> uh, but um, I, you know, there is some trickle down, uh, I'd like to think. And I did gain enormous um, confidence from just the constant repetition of being able to set up. Uh, breakdown, set up, breakdown, set up, breakdown. And then when I started, I have um, I have a very dear assistant, Tanet Gaudangdi at a Thai, which goes by the name of Beer. And uh, he worked with me for probably about 10 years. And he's and then he did the same thing. He's, you know, breakdown, set up, breakdown, set up, breakdown, set up. I'd like to think I was a better teacher to him than uh, Luca was to me in the short years that we worked together. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, it's it just proves how important and helpful it is to have a mentor. I mean, I'm sure he taught you so much as you said yourself and it's incredible what somebody else who knows more than we do can can do to us as photographers. It's truly magical, I think. Yeah, I think probably photography is one of those last industries where it's by a um you know, almost like kind of metallurgy or something. Uh, if you're a blacksmith, you know, there's really no way to learn it online only. You have to learn yeah. the, the basics online. Then you have to go out and do it. And then if you can find somebody who can show you, no, 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 no. It's like that with this situation. Or no, 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 no. It's like that, like this. Do it this way. That just eliminates so many years of flopping about trying to figure it out on your own. So I would say absolutely learn the basics and this and the skills from doing it you know remotely if you have to you know like take a course like like we're on now you know you can learn tremendous amounts this way and then go and apply that in the field but there's a lot of people they want to buy the gear they want to watch the videos but then they don't want to go and apply it and really it's in the application part and especially if you can find a teacher, yeah, that's the secret, I think. At least getting better. You don't have to stick and do the same thing that your teacher did. But uh, it, it helps shorten that uh, the painful growing process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's all about the application. I mean, once you absorb that knowledge, you have to be able to use it somehow and use it to improve your photography. Because if you just sit around with your knowledge and feel like you're going to improve with time, you know, magically somehow, it's not going to work. Unfortunately, you have to be able to put that into practice and experiment mm. with different things. It's very, very important and a good point that you made. Right. Mm -hmm. Well. <laughs> you also mentioned that you have recently started using a drone to take your business to the next level. What has that experience been like and why did you choose to take that step? Yeah, like I was saying, we were losing a lot of clients when people would say, oh, you know, we need this house shot, uh, but we also need some aerials to show its proximity to the ocean and this and that. And, you know, the, 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 the process of getting your license, it's, 
it's not simple, straightforward here. You've got to, you know, go to take the test. You've got to apply and um, apply yourself, learn the kind of the rules here in America. And if you don't, really, you're, you're breaking the law. And also, you can't get insurance. And everything here for a commercial reason is you have to have insurance. So I started doing that. And it's really just expound, expanded um, not only the, the work we can offer, but the angles and the, the placement of the camera. Basically, you're just talking about a giant flying tripod. And, mm-hmm. and I say tripod because really, I mean, I still shoot bracketed on my, uh, I do, for example, I do a job every 10 days, which is a, a new shopping mall. And for the last 30 weeks so far, every 10 days, I have gone mm-hmm. up and done the exact same angle. And then, but basically what I do is I fly up to that spot and it's, you know, exactly matched GPS and the whole thing. And then I just bracket it. Boom, 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 boom. And when mm-hmm. I come back, those pictures actually blend together seamlessly, perfectly in uh, Photoshop. I mean, so basically, it's almost like shooting, you know, sometimes I wonder, why am I using a tripod here? I could just fly the drone in and do it. <laughs> but uh, but it, it really is great in that it gives you that off-the-ground experience. And something I just put on my Facebook page was a, a 4 or $5 million property we just shot. And they wanted uh, what they call a hero shot. They wanted the you know that twilight shot where the the lights are glowing and mm-hmm. the, the uh, you know twilight is going down. It looks really kind of you know mystical and magical. And well, the whole property, just like so many hotels, they slope you know the ground slopes straight down. So basically, if you're standing on the ground, you're looking straight up at this monolith, and there's no you can't see the interior at all. Whereas mm-hmm. at twilight, I just pop that drone in the air, put it on, you know, super stable and hit bracket. And sure enough, the, the pictures at twilight just came out just, just perfectly. So that's one reason. And it has, it's not for everybody. And it's also different, you know, depending on what the application is. We, we get the occasional request uh, to do lifestyle things. And uh, I was shooting a lot of lifestyle things for Travel and Leisure and Condé Nast and people like that before. Now that kind of look is being asked for by a lot of hotels. And so I, you know, I have it. So I have the opportunity to say at least I can offer that. And at the same, if not, then, then I can understand what someone who may be working with me is talking about. And I, and I would say that that's, that applies to everything. Like you don't need to be the master of things that you might not use, but you should have a good understanding. And that's one of my great regrets as a photographer is that when I started this and Photoshop was coming out and, and Lightroom and all these things, you know, I took the occasional class online. I took the occasional, but I never really mastered it. And that's, I think what you should do, if you're going to use Photoshop, if you're going to be a photographer and you know Photoshop is the tool you're going to use, then you really should learn it so well Mm -hmm. that you can do all of the things that you're hiring somebody else to do. And that's something that I never really did. I can understand the concept, but, you know, the application of it, for example, window blending, you know, that Mm -hmm. I totally get the concept. I could do a very kind of, you know, Neanderthalic kind of job where you look at it and you go, oh dear, you know, like look at that kind of, and I absolutely understand the process, the blending and stuff, but I just don't know how to do it. And 
I guess it's not too late to learn. Mm-hmm. But, but if I could have done it at the very beginning, that would have saved me all sorts of headache. And let me say something about post-processing too, uh, now that I'm on post-processing, is that one of the great frustrations as a photographer I've had throughout the years, ever since Photoshop and ever since anything became digitalized, which was almost two, three years after I started working as a photographer, the inconsistency between people post-processing your work. So you'll go through all of this trouble and heartache and hardship to get the lighting right, to get the angles right, to show up on time, to you know, you, all the tremendous amount of energy and, and money that you spend on equipment and you send it off to be post-processed. And if somebody just has no understanding of light, they make the picture look like gar- garish and HDR-ish and this kind of terrible non-realistic look. And even to today, I'm still struggling with trying to find uh, the right people that can post-process for the right price. I mean, the reason that, you know, Hollywood and, and big, big industry can have their pictures look so good is they have top-notch people they're paying top dollar to mm-hmm. really who really understand, really understand lighting and understand the tools that they're using to blend those pictures. You know, somebody like me who's sending stuff overseas and it doesn't matter if it's to England or to Pakistan, you know, we're I'm not paying that. I pay anywhere from from a dollar to $85 per picture, depending on what the client is. And I have different post processors. And even the $85 post processors, uh, are they processing as I saw the vision or are they looking to understand? Not always. Mm. Um, but at, at least I can get a more consistent result, consistent, you know, from shot to shot in a room, for example, the carpet is the same color. The, uh, mm. you know, the stripes on the bed are the same contrast and so and so i would say that's one reason to also learn it yourself that in an emergency if you really are serious about doing professional work whether it's wedding or product or you know any kind of commercial work or whatever do learn the tools because in a situation where you're really stressed out and trying to get that those pictures to somebody who's got a print deadline or um, they've got a launch date and that's often what we get. Somebody needs it right now. It's not yes. It's not you know like two months from now. No problem. It's it's like mm. I need it yesterday. Is the norm. <laughs> and um, without those those hassles, I, I think I would have had a lot less gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, that's good advice, and I feel like that's something a lot of people overlook oftentimes because we take these tools for granted nowadays because Photoshop is very popular and editing apps are very just blowing up basically mm. we tend to take for granted the fact that they are readily available to us in reality i think it's very important to make the most of with the time we have right now with these apps and really learn all the details and not just the basics because mm. as you said it can be a huge hassle in the future if you do end up booking clients and then there's a last minute emergency and you don't really know enough about photoshop to solve the issue and then you end up getting stressed and having gray hair so yeah and <laughs> you know what and and you know what it's not when they have an emergency it's always i don't know what it is but people <laughs> it's like there's always a sudden emergency uh, uh, this hotel i just shot uh, recently, um, you know, we shot all the pictures and so I'm just, you know, getting everything organized, whatever. And I get an email saying, Oh, I need four pictures right away for our, our marketing meeting. 
And so, you know, a lot of people contractually, they'll just say, you know, forget it. It says here, you know, you got X amount of days to, you know, get your pictures back. But, you know, that doesn't make good relationships. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you do everything you can to, to please them. But then you go, oh, gosh, if you had just told me that two days ago, I would have submitted those pictures first and not the end of the batch yeah. kind of thing so yeah so when an emergency happens or yeah it's not it's not when it's gonna it's gonna happen it's gonna <laughs> it happen so gonna happen. when it happens and it will happen then you need to have photoshop knowledge <laughs> you know and i i also have redundancy for everything i you know all of i have two cables i have two cameras i have two lenses i have you know whatever it is that i always have a redundant system because and especially when you are doing any kind of fun hobby work, if you're doing anything creative, if you're doing anything that is like enjoyable photography, everything works just great. And as soon as someone gives you $1, <laughs> everything falls apart and nothing works. And suddenly, you know, like the batteries weren't charged. Oh, did I think to bring a, you know, a battery pack? No, because that one's not charged too. Did I bring, think to bring two? You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. It just, so it becomes a very equipment uh, heavy industry, I mean, a uh, job on one hand, but, um, you know, you, you can tone it down and, and tune it down. I've got, you know, some of my zoom lenses can cover ones that uh, I just, I got a job recently and I had just sent all of my gear away to uh, Nikon to be cleaned and serviced. And mm-hmm. as soon as I got the job, it was like, I have to do it tomorrow. So I just got out my old camera, my 50 millimeter straight my 24 millimeter prime, uh, you know, and then, and shot those things with, you know, holding my breath, fingers crossed that nothing went wrong. And thankfully it didn't, but, um, you know, that's, that's the norm, I think rather than the exception. Yeah, actually I've noticed that in my own work as well. If it's professional work for a client in photography, then something 100% will go wrong and you just have to wing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Creativity. It, it, this, this whole career favors the, the, uh, people who can think on their feet <laughs> yeah exactly yeah okay brent my last question for you is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world ah oh, you know that's that's the hardest question um i think uh as a christian i want to do anything to the best of my ability not just to um so i have some self-respect but also to you know, for because I do things for you know, unto the Lord, unto uh, to for God. So I really hope that all of my moaning and and uh, complaining about you know this great profession <laughs> um, mm-hmm. hasn't um, you know been kind of wasted, and that I die you know with with uh, no uh, you know sense of of satisfaction. Um, I you know I I don't think I'm changing uh, the world in. And what I do, and uh, in, in the meantime, I am helping. I think you know people in us in little micro steps to achieve whether they're it's you know a corporation or if it's an individual selling a house or something. You know, uh, is there one great thing that I can? Um, you know, I don't think I've ever had an award or anything like that, and I've never never looked for one. I just I think what if I can just do the best of my ability while I'm able to still see that will have been enough for me. And uh, I think, I think that's it. You know, I, I want to make sure that uh, I've done my best while I had, while I was still doing it. That's what I want to do. That's what I've tried to achieve. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that is an amazing answer. And I loved learning about your luxurious hotel photography <laughs> world. It was very interesting. So thank you for sharing that and for the valuable tips. And oh, I will share all of the too. links. Sorry. Let me say something really quick. Let me say something really quick. People <laughs> say all the time, they look and they go, oh man, you get to stay in these amazing places and you get to go to these places that, and mm -hmm. like people just, they spend thousands of dollars to go see and stuff. And I, I always say, how, you know how many times I've, st I've gotten in the swimming pool? Zero. You know, you know how many times yeah. I, get to, I get to, you know, sip martinis next to the pool, you know, zero. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it sounds, it sounds glamorous, but uh, it's just like any other photography, whether it's chasing people and doing documentary work or if it's, uh, doing you know wedding or any of that stuff, so it's uh, it's just you know another genre, and um, and so it does, it's not as luxurious as it sounds, is what I'm trying to say. So anyway, sorry to have interrupted you. Go ahead. No, absolutely no problem. Well, yeah, it's like the reality versus uh, expectations situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, still, it sounds like a cool genre, very fulfilling for you, and I wish you the very best with all of your endeavors. And I will leave all the links to Brent's work in the show notes. Check him out. Give him some love and. Uh, get inspiration from his amazing work thank you very kind of for you to have interviewed me thank you thank, Good thank you too thank bye you. bye brett was very fun to talk to i feel like he shared a lot of cool tips and tricks that aren't typically very easy to find online so thank you to him i hope you're inspired to try something new and to always stay true to your vision see you next week there's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world it's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.